Hey, welcome to week two, a series we're calling Stock Market. We're talking about marriage, and we're talking about the highs and the lows of marriage. Um, I know that today, we talked about this last week, we're talking about marriage, and I know that some of you um, have once been married, maybe are not married anymore. Some of you are hoping and praying and desiring to be married uh, someday. Uh, no matter where you're at and what season of life you're in, um, I truly believe that the truths that we're talking about in this series can apply to anything in your life. It can apply to relationships, friendships. It can apply in so many different ways. And so uh, don't tune out uh, today if you're not married. Uh, it's going to be good. Last week, we talked about the biblical meaning of this word ahava. Ahava is the biblical word for love. And the Hebrew says the biblical word for love stands for this meaning to give. God first gave to us. So God showed Ahava to us when he gave his son, Jesus, to us. Last week we talked about the idea that growing up in America with music and TV and movies, we have a really warped view of what true love is. A lot of us, we end up falling in love, but how many know when you fall in love, you can quickly fall out of love? And so we have to learn what true ahava is in this culture, in the biblical sense. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse four, we'll have it on the screen for you. Verse four, it says, love is patient and is kind. Love is not jealous, boastful, or proud, nor is it rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not intolerable. It does not keep a record of being wrong. Oh my gosh. God's love is good. Verse 6, it does not rejoice when injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Verse 7, love never gives up, never loses faith, always is hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I believe personally that we are all on a journey of learning what Ahava really is. This verse is a picture of what true Ahava really, truly looks like, okay? Now, if we all took personal tests to find out where we're at doing true Ahava, a lot of us would go, yeah, I, I don't completely get it. I don't completely walk in it. I know I don't, okay? There are days that I think I do better than other days, but I am still in the journey of learning what true Ahava is. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit is so important in our everyday life. I think we view the Holy Spirit as these moments in worship or in service where we feel God's presence, we feel the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit wants to be in constant communication with you on a daily basis. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, it says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. How many of you know your sinful nature wants a while out, okay? You know, your wife says something to you a certain way, your sinful nature wants to freak out, okay? And we all have it, we're all fighting with it. Okay, verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And spirit gives us desires that are opposite than what the uh, sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And there is no law against these things. 
So how many of you would think, yeah, we need the Holy Spirit in our marriage. We need the Holy Spirit in our relationships. We need the Holy Spirit on an everyday basis. Amen? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps me to understand Ahava. The Holy Spirit helps me to understand my weaknesses. Marriage is what is truly exposing my ability to live in true Ahava. And what do I mean by expose? Marriage puts us into this position, into this place that we quickly figure out, oh, I don't really walk in God's true Ahava. I don't really understand what it's like to give my husband true ahava, to give my wife true ahava. And the Holy Spirit is there to help lead and guide and direct our lives. Amen? So let's pray for wisdom today. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you came to fill us, to strengthen us, to love us. So we invite you to minister to us today, to bring wisdom and understanding and revelation of what true love is so that we can walk as Jesus wants us to walk. Father, we love you and we praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I'm going to talk about the idea of running on empty, if you're taking notes, running on empty. Let me ask this question. Have you ever ran out of gas or had the lights turned off in your house before? My hand is up very, very high, okay, on both of those moments. Uh, growing up, we didn't have a whole lot, and uh, I can remember quite a few times uh, running out of gas, pushing the car, walking to a gas station. Uh, I remember a couple times the lights going off. I think it may have happened once or twice in our marriage, just a couple times, you know, uh, back in the day. Um, but it's one, of those, it's one of those moments that you're just like, oh, my gosh, how did this happen? You know, how, how did we get here? And the truth is that when we're driving in our car and we're going down the road and we're cruising down life, obviously our car has an indicator called the gas light. Okay, I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy the gaslight. You know, I'm just like, come on, there's got to be a little bit more in the tank, you know. And so the gaslight comes on. And how many of you kind of feel like, oh, the gaslight's on, but oh, I know I got like 40 more miles. Like I like legit got 40 more miles, okay. And so, you know, we'll see the gaslight come on, but there's a part of us that just kind of ignores it and thinks like, yeah, that's cool, but I'll get gas when I get gas, okay? And unfortunately, sometimes we ignore it long enough, and what happens? The engine stops, you know? And all of a sudden, like, I don't know if you ever ran out of gas. It's the worst feeling. Your engine stops, and then all of a sudden, you're like, your wheel is like a so hard to turn, you know what I mean? And, and you're just kind of coasting and you're trying, like you're panicking in your mind. You're like, where can I take this car? You know, and I remember one time I ran out of gas in the middle of an intersection, you know, and people are honking and they're flipping you off and, you know, they're cursing at you. And, and the reality is no matter what you do, you can, you can yell, you can curse, you can scream, you can cry. Nothing but more gasoline filling up that tank is going to have that car come back on, correct? It's the same thing with the light bill. You know, the light company, you know, sends you a bill in the mail and you go, well, isn't that nice that they sent me a bill? You know, it's super sweet of them, you know, and just kind of, 
you know, throw it to the side and somehow it gets in the junk pile and gets into the trash. And so the light company, you know, the electric company, they're so kind, they send you another bill, okay? And so this bill has the last month that we ignored and now it has this month on it and it has a big red like overdue, you know, pay this before, you know, we come and shut it off. And you go, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. And then one night you go to bed and the next morning you wake up and you're like, you know, I've overslept. Where's the power? You know, there's nothing going. Now, if you've ever ran out of gas or if you've ever had the lights turned off, you know how much of a pain in the butt it is to get those things back on, right? I mean, like dealing with the electric company, they're like, we're going to charge you a $150 fee to come back out and turn your power. I'm like, nobody's coming to my house. You just pressing a button. I know it. You are totally lying to me right now. But I'm going to have to pay this $150 to get my lights back on, plus the money that I owe you. So the same thing happens when it comes to our marriage, okay? There's indicators, lights, warning signs that go off in our marriage that are telling us there is something wrong in our marriage. And for a lot of us, we just go, ah, that's just my husband. Ah, that's just my wife. Ah, that's just how it's been for the last 10 years. Ah, that's how it was for my family growing up. Ah, it doesn't really matter all that much. And we have these signs they're blinking at us, yellow and red, and they're warning us, trying to get our attention. And all of a sudden, one day, we wake up and we say this, okay? We say this, I don't feel in love anymore. Now, we do this in marriage, but we do this in friendships. We do this all over the place all the time. We ignore warning signs, and then a day comes, and we hit kind of rock bottom. Really, what do we hit? We hit an empty love tank, okay? So inside of all of us, we have this tank called our love tank, okay? And when we hit rock bottom empty on the love tank, we become what? We become bitter. You ever seen somebody that's bitter, <laughs> you know? We become angry, okay? We become testy, we become frustrated. Why? It's our love tank. It's just running on empty. And all of a sudden, we have two people in a marriage, in a relationship, under pressure, under stress, under the ups and the downs of life. And we're trying to manage life. We're trying to manage kids. We're trying to manage finances. We're trying to manage everything. But really, we're struggling hard because our love tank is just empty. Okay? And we have nothing to work on. And so emotionally, our engine of our heart stops. And all of a sudden, I'm not walking in Ahava. I'm walking in bitterness. I'm walking in strife. I'm walking in, just wait till I get home. I'm going to give her a piece of my mind, right? Just wait till he gets home and I'm going to, I'm, I'm out of here. The, all these kids are his, and, and I'm done, and I am gone. And there's no ahava that's really flowing in our homes. So today, I want to talk about 
uh, this book that I'm reading. And you need to get this book. I don't care if you're married, you're single, where you're at in life. It's a book by Gary Chapman. It's called The Five Love Languages, okay? This book is phenomenal. It, I mean, I wish I would have got this book 15 years ago. I wish I would have read it. I wish somebody would have forced me to read this book. This book is amazing. Buy the book. You can get it on audio. You can buy it on Amazon. It's like $9 to buy. If you can't buy it, I'll buy it for you. I promise you, Okay. The five love languages. So today, we're going to talk about these five love languages. First love language is this. Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Some people are words people, like my lovely wife, okay? My wife is a words person, okay? She loves words of encouragement. She loves when I, you know, see her do something good, and I acknowledge what she does, and I speak into her about what she has done well, Okay? One of the big things that we talk about all the time, she'll be like, Jeff, your voice tone, your voice tone, your voice tone, your voice tone. How many women in here would go, yes, I, my husband just needs to hear that, okay? Just voice tone, voice tone, voice tone. Listen, voice tone, I can say, I love you. You know what I mean? Or I can be like, I love you, you know? It's a complete different way that I'm saying that my voice and how I'm fluctuating. You know, um, Words of affirmation can also be done in a way of just sitting down with your spouse. Now, here's the deal. There's a lot of women that words of affirmation are really high on their love tank, but there's a lot of men also. But the reality is, how do we fill this love tank? A lot of times it's just sitting down and talking, okay? Now, I know that that's a struggle in marriage sometimes. You know, you're, I mean, we get it. I mean, it's like, you know, Jess picks up the boys from school. Michael runs upstairs. He grabs his bag. We run back to school because he's got practice. And then all of a sudden the practice goes late. So I get home at like, I think well, I got home like at 745 the other night. And then, you know, we eat some tacos and, you know, and, and Luke's throwing stuff. And then, you know, you try to get some baths. And, you know, how many of you just hate bath time? You know, it's just it's a terrible time of the night, okay? Bath time, bedtime, it's just like this is straight from hell. I I don't know, like, why it's like this, okay? You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like 10.30. We're both exhausted. We're both just, like, staring at our phones, like, you know, scrolling for hours, you know. And, and, and there's no communication. There's no talking there. You know, words of affirmation can be written down. Words of affirmation can be told face-to-face. Words of affirmation are big, so that's one of the love languages. And I, I just don't have the time to go through all of them in depth. Get the book, read the book. The second one is this, acts of service, okay? This could be cooking, it could be cleaning, it could be taking care of the yard, washing the car, finding something that your wife enjoys and helping them or your husband enjoys and helping them do that. Uh, acts of service, doing things for each other. How many of you go, acts of service is big for me? Yeah, a few, yeah, okay. How about words? Words, yeah, yeah, okay. So we got acts of service. Third one is this, receiving gifts, okay? How many of you are receiving gifts? You're like, oh, there we go. There's my people right there. That's my people, okay? <laughs> Love gifts. Gifts can be small. They can be made gifts. They can be super detailed gifts. I know for me in my love language, I'm all into like know me, know the super detailed thing that I want. It could be remembering something you talked about and taking somebody back to that place, uh, making food. Um, I don't think she's, I don't think either of them are in here today, but um, 
Levi's mom, like every once in a while, will make me chocolate eclairs, and they are just like from heaven. They're like little clouds, you know, from heaven, like sent down into my belly, okay? I mean, they're just, they're incredible. Or uh, Jess's grandma, Baba, she makes these chocolate chip cookies, and I mean, she'll like bring a case, like a can of them, and I will hide them from my children and hide them from my family. But those are ways that communicate love to me because I, I love gifts, okay? Um, Next one is this. Number four is quality time. How many of you are quality time people? Quality time. Really, Zach? Quality time. Really? I didn't know that. Come on now. This is spending time with people with your undivided attention. Okay? And I think that's becoming increasingly harder and harder and harder in 2018. You know? Alexa is talking to us about the weather, you know, something's on the TV. We have our phone dinging and going off all the time. Undivided attention. That's one of the things that um, I try to do uh, for my boys, like Michael. I know that for Michael, quality time is a big deal to him. So I'll put my phone away. We'll go outside and play basketball. Or there are some nights because he stays up till God knows when every night, and I'll put my phone away, I'll go in his room, and I'll sit on his bed, and we'll just talk about life. I know that that means a lot to him, quality time. And the last one is physical touch. It could be a hug, it could be a back rub, it could be holding hands, it could be cuddling, it could be great sex. And can I, I'm just going to talk from this point, and I know that this is really, really sensitive sometimes, you know, and me and Jess talk about this all the time, that, you know, obviously, you know, I'm on stage, and when I talk about sex, I'm talking about it from a male's perspective, and obviously, I know that there is a female perspective as it relates to sex, and I totally get that, but I do know that if we honestly took a poll, that probably 90% of the men in this room would say that physical touch is one of their true love languages, and I truly believe that, you know, as godly women, you have the ability to satisfy your husband's sexual needs. And that is so huge in this world and in this day and age. I just uh, met uh, with a couple, nobody from here, so everybody stop trying to figure out who I'm going to talk about, okay? All right, I know whenever I say something like, they're like, ooh, is it Ian over there? You know, like, who is this, you know? I, I just met with a couple, and, and the husband is addicted to pornography, the wife is devastated, but came to find out that they're having sex like once a month. What's happening? His physical needs are not being met by the person that God gave him to meet those needs. So physical touch, these things are important. So five different love languages. Get the book, read the book, okay? Now, where do these love languages come from? That's the question, okay? Love languages come from us growing up. And I'm going to walk you through this. When I was growing up, my mom and dad split up, grew up my grandparents, okay? My grandpa was the best gift giver on planet Earth, okay? Saturday mornings, 
I clean my room just like, she just like laughs at me and cries and laughter when I talk about this. Okay? Every Saturday morning, I'd clean my room. He would come in. He would inspect. Okay, so my grandpa built like shelves for my G.I. Joe. So every G.I. Joe had a certain spot, okay? And I mean like all the cars had a certain spot. And if I cleaned my room perfectly, like to the expectations, we would go out to breakfast with my grandpa and all of his buddies, which I loved. They were awesome guys, and they would always give me like, you know, the Pentecostal handshake. They would give me like a handshake and give me $5, and I'd be like, I don't know who you are, but you're amazing. I love you. You know, you're, you're incredible, you know? And then afterwards, we'd go to Toys R Us, and I'd pick out, you know, some G.I. Joe or something like that. Now, my grandpa was just incredibly great, though, at just picking out really great gifts that he knew that I loved. I remember um, growing up, uh, it was probably eight years old, Christmas, um, I wanted uh, a certain G.I. Joe, but there was like a special edition version of Duke, and I knew about the special edition of, G- of Duke, and you had to send in like, do you remember like when you would mail in like points from the back of like things, and so I remember for like months, I guess my grandpa saved up all the points, he mailed it in, he got this special edition Duke, and it just spoke so much to me. So my grandpa was great at giving gifts. So that's a part of my love language now, okay? Now, both of my grandparents were great at physical touch. They hugged me a lot. They kissed me a lot. Um, You know, I spent hours sitting on my grandpa's lap in the Lazy Boy watching sports together. Um, My grandma, this is, oh, this sounds... I just laugh even when I think about it. But, uh, but like, my <laughs> chest gives me so much junk about this. Like, at night, my grandma would, like, rub my head, like, put her fingers through my hair. I know, you're all like, you are so spoiled. Like, we all, like, everybody's, like, hating me right now, like, so much. But they were just incredible at, at physically showing affection. So physical touch is a huge part of my love language. Uh, my grandma was amazing at, you know, making sure, like, acts of service, like, making sure that I got to basketball. And um, at one point after my grandpa died, and uh, we lived on a completely different side of town, but I was going to this high school named Guilford High School. It was a 45-minute drive uh, to Guilford, and my grandma, uh, she worked a job because, you know, my grandpa had passed away. We needed money, and she would, like take her lunch break, come home, grab me, take me to school so I could get to practice, and then after work, come back, pick me up, take me home. She was just great. She was incredible at acts of service. Uh, it'd be like 9 o'clock, and I'd be like, I'm hungry. How many of your kids are always hungry at 9 o'clock? And you're like, why, Lord, why? We ate dinner at 7, okay? But, I mean, I would eat dinner at 7, 9 o'clock. She would go, well, what do you want to eat? And I'd be like, oh, how about, how about some Swedish pancakes? And she'd be like, coming up, you know? And I'd be like this is the greatest day of my life, you know? And so, so all these things are doing what? They're contributing to my love language. My top love languages are physical touch, gifts, and acts of service, okay? So I get that from what? Growing up. Now, my grandpa passes away when I'm 11. My grandma passes away uh, a year and a half later. And what happens at that point? Jeff's love language dries up. Jeff's love tank is becoming empty quick. I go and live with my aunt and uncle. Love my aunt and uncle. Phenomenal people. So gracious to take me in and to bring me into their home. 
But the truth is, they didn't know my love language. And the truth is, they didn't speak the love languages that my grandparents spoke. And even though they were bringing me into their home and they were feeding me and clothing me and giving me a place to live, my love tank was empty. It was dry. So what happens in life when we become emotionally broke and are empty in our love tank? Well, we start figuring out, how can I get my love tank full, right? This is what happens in marriages that end up in affairs. It's just somebody in the marriage goes, I'm empty, and you won't fill my tank. So guess what? I will find someone to fill my tank. There is somebody on planet Earth that will give me what I'm looking for. So for me in this instant, okay, remember gifts. My grandpa was a gift, good gift giver. My aunt and uncle were the worst gift givers, okay? If they were the best, my aunt and uncle were the worst. So what did I think at 14 years old? I thought, I'm going to get a job, and I'm going to make so much money in this life that I can buy myself whatever I want, whenever I want. Right? What am I saying? There's no one filling that spot in my heart. Or how about this? How about physical touch? So again, about 13, 14 years old, I started going from girl to girl, relationship to relationship, physical moment to physical moment. Why? Why? Is it because I truly, you know, don't believe that God's word is true at that moment? No, it has nothing to do with that. All it is is, is I'm crying out, I don't have physical touch. My grandma gave me a lot of physical touch. You're a girl, and I'm hoping that you can give me the physical touch that I need to fulfill my heart, to satisfy my soul. Or how about acts of service? All of a sudden, I start finding friends that are not good for my soul and good for my life, but they'll do things for me. And can I just say this? This is, I, I just get so angry about this sometimes. I almost feel like sometimes, like, like were my worldly friends were nicer than my church friends. Can I just be real about that? That was so wrong. I mean, sometimes my worldly friends, I felt like had my back better than my godly friends did. I hope that never happens in this house. I hope in this house we go, my friends, my people at Elevate Church, they got my back. They're with me. They'll stand with me. They'll help me. Amen? That's a huge deal. So my love tank was empty. Now, Parents, I need you to understand this. Your husband, your wife has a love tank. If you're dating, the same thing. If you're wanting to get married someday, you're going to have to understand this. But you got to get this other side. Your kids have love tanks also. And they have love languages. Okay? And when you fulfill their love language, you will save them from a world of hurt and sin promise you, promise you. The other night, we're sitting down, we're talking with our oldest son, Michael. Come here, Michael. Oh, come here, come here, come here, come here, real quick. Oh my gosh. I mean, look at this kid. I mean, oh, can we just go, oh, oh, so cute, so cute, okay. So we're, so we're talking with him, okay. And we openly talk about everything to our kids because we believe in the principle of the first. We believe that if I talk to Michael first in his life about sex and sexuality, I talk to him about anything first in his life, 
every thought pattern from the rest of his life from that moment on is filtered through my conversation, okay? So the first time he ever heard about sex was from me, how God intended it as his father, okay? Now, we'll talk to him. We'll be like, hey, you know, like, like is, there any, is there any babes? Is there any hot want nows? Is there any, you know, ladies we're looking at? You know what I mean? <laughs> and he'll do this, you know. He's like, oh, you know. And so, but he says this. You can go sit down, okay? He says this the other night, okay? He says, there is this freshman girl, though, that likes me at school. Ooh. <laughs> Look at him. He's just like, he's like, oh, geez. Now, we spend a lot of time with our kids, and we believe in this. I want to know my kids better than anybody else knows my kids. Okay? Now, we know truly in his heart of hearts what Michael cares about right now. Michael cares about his guitar. Michael cares about worship music. Michael cares about basketball. Michael cares about Fortnite, okay? I mean, really, really, really does care about Fortnite, okay? Fortnite's a video game online if you're like, what in the heck's Fortnite, okay? But what does Michael not care about? The freshman girl. Why? Because we fulfill his love languages. We make sure that his love tank is full. And when his love tank is full, he is confident, he is secure, he knows who he is, he knows why he's on planet Earth, and he will fulfill what God has called him to do in this life. Amen? The same thing happens with our children. You are the view of God to your children. When your children look at you, they look at you and think, uh, this is what Jesus looks like. Okay, you are giving them a perspective and a picture of what God the Father looks like. And so if they grow up thinking, my mom, my dad cannot fulfill my love language, then how could God the Father ever do it someday? You see that? If they grow up thinking, man, I never get what I need from my mom and dad. And I understand that parenting is tricky. I'm not saying that it's our job to spoil our kids. It's our job to, you know, raise them up. There's a lot of times that we're giving love, but Michael couldn't tell you the other night, you know, there was a moment that, you know, I wasn't giving love. And he needed that not giving love moment. You know, and he's in a season of be, between being a boy and a young man and learning responsibility and learning how to step up and to be a young man. And so we're in that process and in that season right now. But I truly understand and believe that it's my job to show him a great picture of God the Father. And God the Father is good. He is good. And he is faithful. And he loves you. And he cares desperately for you. And that is what I want to show my children. And when we do that, we will fulfill their love language. But I know inside of us, we're screaming, I know I need to do that for my kids, but my love tank is empty. I'm empty. I'm running on fumes. I'm just trying to make it day in and day out. I'm trying to make it to the next moment. I'm broken inside. I just, my love tank is so incredibly empty. So 
How do we fix this in our marriages? How do we fix this in our relationships? How do we view our spouse and go, I'm going to give you what you need? Point number one is this, to fixing it, okay? Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. We recently met with somebody about some things going on in their life, and they said this to us. They said, it's funny, you never give us the answer. You always point us back to Jesus. I'm like, that's my job. My job isn't always to give you all the perfect answers. I don't know all the answers all the time, but I know the one who knows the answers. It's Jesus, and it's the Holy Spirit, okay? John chapter 14, verse 16, it says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocator, one who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads in all truth. The world cannot receive him because it's looking for him but does not recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. Okay, right there. You got to understand. This is Jesus, and he says, listen, he lives with you now. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, the Holy Spirit incarnated is in me. Jesus, I am here, and I'm with you right now. You know me because I'm with you right now. But then he goes on, he says this, and later he will be in you. He's talking about what? Acts chapter 2, verse 4. The power, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And let me make this abundantly clear. These are two different things. When we get saved, yes, the Holy Spirit is in us. We feel the presence of God. God is leading us, guiding us, directing us. But there is a completely different experience called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When we pray for people, we lay hands on people, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, a lot of times it manifests with people speaking in tongues. That's why I, you hear me sometimes speaking in tongues, and you're like, why is he speaking in tongues? because I need revelation from heaven. And as I'm speaking in tongues, I'm getting direct revelation from heaven. When I speak in tongues, the devil doesn't know what I'm talking about. The devil can know my English, but he doesn't know when I speak in tongues. So I have a direct hotline to heaven, and I need the power, the infilling of the Holy Spirit to have this communication with God the Father because I need it in my marriage. I need it in my life. I need it at work. I need it in everywhere in my life. John 14, verse 26, but when the Father sends the advocator as my representation, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. You ever think about this? That like Peter only had the Holy Spirit? I mean, he had the Torah. But here's Peter starting the church of Jesus Christ. Here's Peter walking the earth. And what does he have? He, all he has is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is going, this is really all you need. You need my truth and the Holy Spirit. And I will teach and lead you into all truth and all understanding. And it says, and he will remind you of everything I have told you. Okay. So in our marriage, everything in our marriage depends on who we depend on. You get that? Everything in our relationships, everything in our marriage depends on who we depend on. But a lot of times we wake up in the morning, our feet hit the ground, and we're like this. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got this. I got this. And what's happening? It's all you. It's all you. 
100% of the time. And God's going, hey, how's that working out for you? How's that working out in your marriage? How's that working out in your relationships? You go, I got this. I got life. Just give me another self-help motivational speech. I got this. And God's going, no, 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 no. I intended you to live in victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. I intended you to have life through the power that comes through him. Everything depends on who you depend on in this life. If I'm going to truly walk in the love languages, if I'm going to truly walk in Ahava, that's the goal. And, I, and listen, I get this. I, I'm believing that someday when I'm like 78 years old, like I'm just going to be like hopefully a hot, whole lot more like Jesus. Amen. I'm hoping that through the journey and the process of me depending on the Holy Spirit and depending on the Word of God, that I'm going to become more and more like Jesus. Amen. And that needs to be our prayer. Point number two is this. Forgive. Forgive. Just got to let go of stuff, okay? I mean, listen, your spouse is going to say and do things that is going to frustrate you. Your friends are going to say and do things that are going to frustrate you. Amen? Can I get amen? Okay. Yeah? Yeah, we're here. You with me? Okay. Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who has sinned against me? And Peter thinks, I got Jesus. Finally. I got him where I want him. And he goes, it's seven times, right, Jesus? You know, he's thinking like, man, I'm hot stuff. I know that Jesus is going to be so proud of me. He's going to be so happy with me. He's going to think, man, I don't forgive one time. I forgive seven times. And this is Jesus' response, no. (laughs) Just no, absolutely not. You know, I don't know if, for me, I'd be like, man. Jesus just told me I'm wrong. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm horrible. And he says, no, not seven times. But Jesus replies, 70 times seven. Okay? We got to understand that your husband, your wife, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to fail you. They're going to not fulfill your love language. They're going to have moments where they're stressed out. They're going to have moments where they're trying to deal and cope with life, and they're not going to fulfill your love language the way that you need them. And we can't walk in hate and bitterness and anger and think that we're going to be able to let ahaba flow out of us, right? Forgiveness frees me from that moment. Forgiveness allows me to go, okay, Holy Spirit, I know that she hurt me when she said that. I know, Holy Spirit, he was just such a jerk when he, you know, when he lashed out at me like that. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that I can use your grace and I can forgive just as Jesus forgave. I can let go and I can move on and you can strengthen me so that I can walk in true ahava for my spouse. Point number three, worship team, you guys can come on up. Is this, talk as a couple openly about your love languages, okay? Talk openly, okay? So often when we marriage counsel, it's just a matter of communication breakdown. It's just, we don't talk, you know? We just assume 
that our spouse or our partner knows what we want, right? We just assume like, man, if he really loved me, he would know that like today I could just use, you know, some chocolate. <laughs> I could use some flowers. I could just, I could just have, you know, if he really, really knew me and loved me, he would know that he just needs to come home and let me go, you know, rest and take care of the boys, you know, whatever. Listen, communication is so key in our marriages being honest and open. And I want to give some rules as it relates to communicating with each other about love languages, okay? Number one is this. Go to a restaurant and talk about it, okay? Right? You don't go crazy at a restaurant. Can I get an amen? You're at a restaurant trying to put your best face forward. I can't tell you how many times me and Jess go to a restaurant and talk about really tough things. Why? Because we can't fight. It forces us to communicate in a healthy way, right? Okay, so go to a restaurant. Number two, don't fight. Don't fight. You know, I know that instantly when somebody goes, you know, like, you know, Jess will say, you know, like, Jeff, I just really want some of your time. That's a big deal to her. We're incredibly busy. I don't know about you, but like, I feel like from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, I'm just running and running and running and running. And she'll go, Jeff, I really want some time. But she might not say I really want some time. She might say, man, I wish you would put me before you put everything else, like the church, right? And instantly, what do I wanna do? I wanna defend that I'm right, right? I wanna defend that, no, I'm doing the right thing. I'm putting the kingdom of God first, or I'm doing this first. So instantly, it's our natural tendency to fight, to say, no, I'm right and you're wrong. You can't fight when you have open communication. You gotta be able to go, you know what? I'm gonna sit down and I'm going to listen to what you're saying. And I'm even going to read between the lines. You might not be communicating it clearly, but I'm gonna read between the lines to really figure out what are you truly saying to me right now, okay? Third thing is this, write things down, okay? Write things down. Write down your love languages, trade it back and forth, write them on index cards, write them down. Say, this is exactly my love language. This is exactly how you could fulfill my love language. Listen, if we are mature in our walk with the Lord, if we're mature in our marriage, we should be able to go, you know what, this is what I need. And we go, yeah, that's, that, I would love to do that for you. I'm sorry that I haven't done that for you, but I, I would really love that to, to do that for you. Number four is this, forgive. Forgive one another. Walk in forgiveness. Number five, don't nag on each other. Okay? Don't nag. Don't constantly talk about what you don't have and, and what you need. Don't nag. Okay? Number six, don't speak criticizing words. To each other about that situation. 
Don't criticize each other, okay? Words have life or they have death. So my words can either build or destroy, right? Don't criticize. Last one is this. Do it even when your spouse doesn't do it. That's like right in the gut, isn't it? You know what I mean? You're just like, really? Where's that in the Bible, you know? Show me where that is. Listen, Jesus has always been faithful when we're not faithful, right? We look to Jesus as our example, the one that we're trying to become like. Jesus is always consistent. Jesus is always loving. Jesus is always faithful. He's always merciful. Amen. We're going to do it even when we don't feel like it. We're going to do it because we go, you know what? I made a commitment to you. You know, the reality is this. Me and Jess, we made a commitment to each other 15 years ago. There are some days that I am wild about Jess. Like today, she looks beautiful. She just, I mean, I'm watching her lead worship today and I'm just like, oh, this brings so much joy and pleasure to me. I'm just like, she's the greatest. But there'll be some days I'll go, man, I'm just really frustrated with you. But that doesn't determine my commitment, right? Amen? Doesn't determine what determines my commitment? That 15 years ago, we made a commitment to each other. Amen? And we follow through with it in Jesus' name. Amen? Why don't you stand up this morning? You know, the Holy Spirit is so good. You know what I love about the Holy Spirit is that even when I'm failing and I come into the presence of God, the Holy Spirit is right there. It's like a warm blanket of love that even in my failure, He goes, I, I love you. I love you so much. And I love that the Holy Spirit goes, I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to, I want to give you what you need. Listen, the Holy Spirit will give you the grace. This is a prayer that I started praying about a year ago. And it's like, it's, it's helping me so much right now, so much. I started saying, Holy Spirit, help me to see just the way that you see just. Holy Spirit, help me to, to see the qualities and to see what you see and what you believe in. Holy Spirit, help me to get this. And the Holy Spirit goes, yes, I want to. I want to help you. I want to lead you into all truth. I want to help you learn what true Ahava is so that you can be a blessing to your wife. Amen? Come on. I want you just to pray. I want you to say, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to understand. Help me to, to understand my spouse's love language. Help me to understand my kids' love languages. Help me to understand friends and relationships' love languages. Help me to understand how I could be a blessing to them. Help me to understand how I could love them better, walk it out better. Hallelujah, Jesus, we praise you. 
want to do this. Keep your eyes closed. I feel like there's a lot of us in here that we need to forgive. We need to let go. Just as 1 Corinthians says, keep no records of wrong. We need to let go of things that our spouse or a friend or someone has done to us and it's and it's and it's causing bitterness and, and anger to well up in our souls and God goes I don't want that in there we need to forgive and move on if you need to forgive somebody do it right now come on just say I forgive call it out say Jesus I forgive I choose to forgive grab a hand next to you, okay? Let's pray for each other today, okay? Let's pray for a revelation of, of love languages. How to walk in it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody look at me real quick. I, I, you got to understand this. Sometimes the key to what is going to unlock your victory is in you stepping out in faith. So the key could be Zach going, I know what Sarah needs, but I haven't given her what she needed because I've been, you know, my love tank's been empty and I've been frustrated and been angry. But the really, the true, the key is when Zach walks in faith and steps out and gives first and then it comes back. Amen. Amen? Listen, be first. Be first. Start today. It's the key to your victory. It's the key to the season of victory that you're looking for in your marriage and your relationships. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the wisdom that comes from Him. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd give us divine understanding, divine understanding to walk in love, to walk in Ahava, to understand what true love really is. Giving, sacrificing, laying down, putting others first, Father. Father, we thank you for a revelation and understanding that comes from heaven. Lord, I pray that you give us witty, creative ideas on how to minister to our partners, to minister in our marriages to one another to satisfy, to meet their needs, Lord. Father, we thank you for your grace. Lord, I just speak grace upon marriages right now, and I rebuke the devil off of marriages right now in Jesus' name. Demonic influence, demonic stronghold, demonic power coming against the marriages. I bind you in Jesus' name. I plead the blood of Jesus upon marriages. I declare what God started, He will be faithful to see out. He will finish it out in Jesus' name. Lies, spirit of lies, lies that would bring confusion into marriages. I bind you in Jesus' name. 
the spirit of strife, I bind you in Jesus' name. And I release God's grace upon homes. I release God's favor upon homes. I release God's blessing upon homes right now in Jesus' name. We declare that the marriages in Elevate Church will be strong. We declare that the marriages in Elevate Church will be fruitful. We declare that marriages in Elevate Church will be made by the Holy Spirit. We declare that the marriages in Elevate Church will walk in victory. We thank you for strong, healthy homes with children that grow up with confidence and security and identity known in Christ because they see it through their parents. They see it through marriages. Thank you, God. Praise you now. Praise you now. Father, we lift up the children of Elevate Church and we bless them in Jesus' name. We ask that you would surround them every day of their life with your angels. We rebuke every weapon formed against them in Jesus' name. I plead the blood of Jesus upon these children. We thank you that no matter what school, no matter what event they go to, no matter where they go in this life, that they are protected by the blood of Jesus in Jesus' name. We thank you that you fill them with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you would fill our children with the Holy Spirit. Fill them with the discerning understanding from heaven to know right and wrong, to know your will and your desire for their lives, Father. We ask, God, that you'd bless them every single day of their life. Show them your goodness, we ask. Father, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. And everybody agrees. Said? Amen. Give it up for Jesus today. Isn't he so good? So good. Hey, tonight, 5 o'clock, we're going to worship. It's going to be a great, great night. Hope to see you out here. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. We love you. Have a great week.